Welcome to Keystone Education Radio, the podcast for all things focused on education in Pennsylvania. This podcast is sponsored in part by PNC Financial Services and Stantec. This is Annette Stevenson, your podcast host. As part of our multi-part series of discussions around equity in education, our guests today are Dr. Terrence Green and Dr. Sonia Horsford. They'll be talking with our own Dr. Heather Bennett about the equity lens and the system of practices schools should consider as part of their ongoing equitable education of all students. Hello, my name is Dr. Heather Bennett. I am the Director of Equity Services for the Pennsylvania School Boards Association, and I am here to really talk about equity, of course. And we all know that equity is this hot phrase and hot topic and or hot concept or however anyone probably wants to think about it in the education landscape today, but a lot of people, districts and schools, really have no idea what it is, why it's important, and how to practice it. Uh, this podcast seeks to shed a light on one of the mo- one of the most fundamental questions of what is it and how do we as an education system and a society get here we have two guests today to talk about the trajectory towards equity and so I'm here with Dr. Terrence Green from the University of Texas at Austin and I'm also here with Dr. Sonia Horsford from Teachers College at Columbia University hello Dr. Bennett it's a pleasure to be here hey Dr. Bennett Glad to be here too. Awesome. Okay, so again, this is a discussion. This is a just an opportunity for us to really just dig deep and dive into how we how we got here and why this is so important in our in thinking about how we educate our children today. Um, so one of the overarching questions really is in this in this whole process is what is equity? So uh, Dr. Green, I'm gonna allow you to go first. Well, thank you, thank you, Dr. Bennett. So when I think about equity, so a couple things come to mind. One is I think equity has definitely become like an empty signifier. So it's everything and it's no thing all at the same time, which leaves a lot of ambiguity and the construct being so nebulous. I think it's also super important to underscore the reality. When I talk about equity, um, I talk about racial equity, or I call it racial and educational equity, because when we start talking about equity, race often gets marginalized, and we hide a lot of inequities in all particularly racial uh, inequity. So I think before we even start talking about a definition about equity, we have to acknowledge that racism was foundational and constitutional to this country. And every institution, including schools, have been shaped and are shaped by race and racism. And so if we're going to talk about equity, we first have to acknowledge um, racial equity and racism and, and race. And so The way I think about equity, I think about equity, I center race, so I talk about race explicitly, but not exclusively. So you talk about the intersections of race with, you know, class and gender and and so on and so forth. But I think about equity as a a lens first, but also a process to get to the goal of equality. So often equity and equality are put up against each other. And Dr. Horsford has written extensively about this, um, but I still see that the goal of racial equality as the end point um, or something that we're working towards, and I see equity as a process to get us to that. And so when we start talking about equity, I, I see equity essentially as like a redistribution of power, right? And when you redistribute the power, it reorients opportunity, access, decision-making, resources, so on and so forth. But when you're talking about equity, to me, you're talking about you're getting at the power. And I think it's something that's finally that's super important, that equity is not like a program, it's not an initiative, it's not like a, a toolbox or 
a checklist that I'm doing. Like equity is like a system. Like it, it has to inform everything in a school district from curriculum, from teaching and learning, from the way resources are distributed, from the way um, classes are allocated, so on and so forth. So I, I don't see it as being an add-on, but I see it as something as being central. But in its centrality, it acknowledges the, the, the endemic outcomes and pervasiveness of race and racism in school districts, and that's where the work begins. And then you talk about that explicitly, and then you talk about um, going, going to practice and work on the other things um, as well. Wonderful. Dr. Horsford. Well, I mean, I think, I, you know, I agree with Dr. Green. I think that equity, you know, one of the challenges in education is that it does mean so many different things to different people. Um, and so, you know, my experience in speaking with different groups, classes, and audiences is that there, we're still, I think, to some extent, struggling to figure out and operationalize what exactly we mean by equity and doing it in a way where we have a shared language to really you know, achieve progress and improve outcomes in ways that we can actually measure and, and see real change happening in the lives of students. So for me, I have done more work really thinking about equality in contrast to equity and focusing on equality as a way of ensuring we focus on questions of rights and citizenship, right? So in the case of the Brown versus Board of Education decision, which educators like to point to um, as a decision that really determined that separate schools are inherently unequal, I would argue that what has followed is this need to really create integrated and equitable spaces for, for students. And the challenge is that that vision looks very different, I think, depending on the particular group of population that you're talking to. For some, it's ensuring that we have integrated spaces and that we are you know, distributing resources and maybe opportunities in a variety of ways, whether it's a culturally relevant curriculum, um, whether it's increasing um, the pipeline of teachers who represent the students that they serve, um, and it might be just a focus on increasing test scores, for example, or closing an achievement gap. Um, I think for other communities, the question of equity is really about fairness. It's about freedom from discrimination, and it's about having the access to the same facilities, resources, and experiences as other students. And so for me, that really is what the Brown decision was about, that's what the struggle for uh, desegregation and, in some cases, integration was about for African-Americans in particular. And I feel like that, that promise has still not been fulfilled. Again, not in terms of making sure that, as champions of equity would declare, that we have to make sure that everybody gets what they need. I'm just not sure that a system that created unequal access and unequal opportunities has the capacity to determine just exactly how much everyone gets. And so for me, it's about right. It's about access to high-quality educational opportunities. It's about being recognized as full citizens under the law, uh, which is what Brown, you know, was really successful at dismantling. But focusing on, again, the extent to which we're really seeing all children is having high expectations for all children, ensuring that they have access to high-quality teachers, curriculum, and those who have a vision of schooling that is more than increasing a test score, closing an achievement gap, but really providing culturally relevant and robust experiences for all children. Awesome. So here, here's here's a couple things. Like, I really want you guys to tell me where to go here. And how did we as an education system go from this equality-focused space to really this equity-focused space? And just kind of giving us a, you kind of addressed it with the Brown v. Board of Education piece, but like, what is this trajectory? And are we successful? Um, yeah, I mean, I think to Dr. Green's point, it is an empty signifier, and that's the challenge. If we're not clear on what the problem is that we're trying to solve, 
then it's unlikely that we'll be able to take any policy solutions, actions, or leadership practice to address it. And so as long as there's some ambiguity around what we mean by equity and what that looks like, it's really hard to really, you know, develop a plan of action that's going to address it. And so for me, it does come back to um, thinking about the role that race plays um, in determining who gets what and determining how resources are distributed. And school boards in particular, I think it's important that we really focus that conversation on resources, right? That that is one fight that school board members in particular can really champion ensuring that students who have been historically underserved in resources act to the funding um, that they need to hire the best teachers who are trained to really work with uh, historically underserved populations. Um, and also the school boards, I think, play an important role in, in shaping the vision for what we want our schools to be able to do. Um, and that really focuses on values. So to me, the whole discussion around equity is about values, and that once we make, once we determine what those values are, uh, the decisions will in fact make themselves. Mm. Dr. Green, I I concur with what Dr. Horsford said. And I, I think in terms of of how we got here, I don't know to what degree districts have fully come to terms with that the current education system that we have, regardless of uh, you know all the top-down education policies, federally, state policies, bottom-up policies, the, the structure of it has not been created, particularly for, for black children and children who have been historically underserved. So the way I think of it is like this, and I've been thinking about this writing for this book, is the idea of if you were going to bake a cake and you know you got some flour and you got some eggs and you got some butter, and you bake the cake, and once it was done, you realize that, shoot, I forgot to put sugar in it. And so what you go and do, you just go and grab some sugar, and you sprinkle it on top, and you say, well, whoop, I got sugar on the cake, instead of rebaking the cake, right? And so when you rebake the cake, you put the flour, you put the eggs, you put the butter, but you ensure that you put sugar into the cake so that sugar is throughout the entire structure of the cake, it's fundamental and foundational to the way the cake is made. And so you've got two different cakes, one with sugar baked into it at its core, and another one where you just have like these sugar sprinkles. And what I've, I've been calling them is these equity sprinkles. And so these systems, school districts that have not been created for children of color, black children, um, children um, who experience poverty, children who are homeless, right? So what we do is we keep the structure and the system of the district the same, but we sprinkle a little equity sprinkles on top. Oh, we're doing restorative practices. So I sprinkle my restorative practice on top. Oh, I sprinkle some courageous conversation on top. I sprinkle some social emotional learning on top. I, I, I sprinkle some inclusive education on top, which those sprinkles, they're okay, but you're still functioning on a system from its origins, from its beginning was not designed and was actually purposefully designed not to meet the needs of, or, or be equal for students that who are not white and male and upper class and able body in this this white this white institutional norm that pervades schooling right and so when you ask like how do we get here we've gotten here because we've inherited a system that was by design created to have disparities in it right and so what we've done is we put these little equity sprinkles on top and so like the goal then becomes like how do i redesign the system how do I redesign it 
at the edges to be cognizant of the ways in which, like Dr. Horsford said, race and racism determines who gets what. The, the, how do I redesign the system to ensure that the least of these are at the center of it? And it's not a zero-sum game, but it is something where we design and we reconstruct and we build the system based on what we know about students who have been historically underserved. And the last thing I'm going to say is this, is that in this, why I talk about the redesigning piece, because I think equity, a, a function of equity is like this reimaginative project to, to reconstruct. And often in classes, I'll get students and they'll say like, oh, we need to, we need to tear it down and we need to burn it down and we need to just deconstruct it. And my thing is that you can't leave people with ruins. Right. So once you've torn it down, once you've deconstructed it, like, how do you hold that collectively with this idea of like, how do I redesign a system that's responsive to folks based off of their race? How do I redesign? And that gets like very meticulous. I'm not trying to speak like pie in the sky. How do you do that with your instruction? How do you do that with the ways in which you'd have common planning time? How do you do that with the, the air quotes, master schedule? How do you do that with the boundaries in your district? How do you do that with way, who's teaching what classes and whose students are in those classes? How do you do that with, with the tracks that you already have? It's, it's amazing that schools, they'll say, well, um, we have to have all these tracks by high school. Well, those tracks began in elementary school, by the way you were doing ability group. And so how do you redesign it around ability group and even in elementary? So to answer your question, I, I believe that's how we got here and that's how we stay here. And if we want to move from here, I think is that redesigning with equity and equality, racial equality and racial equity at the center that, that informs and becomes the values through which we start to redesign a new system. So I'm going to push a little bit specifically about um, focusing on race. And we know that in our state, in Pennsylvania, majority of our kids um, are white students. And, and so when we have these conversations about race, people either shut out, they don't want to talk about it, they don't want to have this conversation. So how do we move as we continue to think about equity, but also like thinking about racial equity and also just thinking about just in general, but how do we move this construct of equity um, into school districts that do not have extreme demographic changes or diverse populations? How do we have those conversations as well? Like we would have in other districts that are, are more racially diverse or mostly majority diverse, po racially diverse populations. How do we bring this out? How do we bring this, this conversation moving forward throughout the districts and not in just in a few? Well, I, I think it's important to really start at the local community level. You know, I don't know how useful it is to maybe take an equity discourse and, and try to map it on top of a local community, but rather begin with a local community, no matter its composition, racially or ethnically or culturally, but really hear from parents and students and educators, hear directly from them in terms of what, again, their values are as it pertains to education, what they believe that education should be providing their children, how it should serve. Um, their particular community, and then from then build kind of a plan or strategy approach to make sure that, that everyone is benefiting from that particular system. And I, I do think it looks different in different communities. I do think that there is kind of a lack of attention and focus on communities that may be more racially mm -hmm. isolated or homogenous mm -hmm. as it relates to, you know, have a, having a predominantly white student population. Um, and that that's where our leadership uh, and teacher preparation programs can really play an important role in thinking about, you know, again, how we talk about the larger project of education, which, you know, in this moment of kind of engaging in both a reckoning of what K-12 schools have been 
and a project of kind of reimagining, you know, what we would want them to be, giving all of the the change that's happening demographically, politically, and economically, right, uh, throughout the nation. So I think it's an exciting time to do that and that we definitely need to think of ways to connect with the needs and the desires and the wishes of local communities. You know, if we were to really start over, right, and rethink schools, what should they be designed to do today in 2019? How should they be preparing young people for the future? And is it the same thing that we've been doing, or is this an opportunity to really reset and engage in a process where we re-envision education and by doing so also remove a lot of the barriers uh, and the limitations that a history and legacy of, in- of injustice and racism and classism and sexism have, have been used to kind of bake the cake, if you will, of, of the current system. So I was just wanting to add to that. I think, I think we've set up this linear notion that if people have conversations, they'll change their beliefs, and then they'll change their practices and they'll get new outcomes. Empirically, in the organizational change literature, even in the business change literature, that doesn't bear out. And so I think we spend so much time having conversations at the expense of first trying to shift people's practices. And if I can start to shift your practices in conjunction with having conversations, you can see different outcomes. And as you see different outcomes, it can shift your beliefs. But I think sometimes in in this work, we spend so much time just trying to change people's beliefs as if people will get to this point where they fully like, you know, sponge themselves from any like racial or inequitable notions or ideas that they have. And then we can do the work. I would argue that we'll be waiting forever if, if that's where we start. So I think in working practically with districts, you start to shift and change their practices as you shift and change their practices. They see different start to see different outcomes, and that fosters a change of belief. And there's there's research that supports that. Okay, so specifically on that, what are practices? What are steps that districts need to do to start moving towards equity? Yeah, I mean, I was I guess I'll let maybe Dr. Green speak to okay. that because what I wanted to hit on a yeah. bit more okay. um, in terms of again the role of school boards and um, leaders who are making decisions. Okay. So the connect to what he just said, mm-hmm. it Go is for that. also about securing resources, but also changing the incentive structure, mm. right? Because I agree. I don't know that you can necessarily change how people feel or think about, I mean, you can ultimately, but sure. the sense of urgency requires immediate shift in the incentive mm-hmm. structures for educators and the accountability systems that we use, right? So in order to change the practices, practices and behaviors that will better support children who are not currently getting the same access to quality instruction, curriculum, or resources is, in my view, going to require a change in the, the measures that we use to hold educators accountable, to hold schools and systems accountable, and to hold those who are elected to school board, to the, to the school board, to the state legislature, and others who we are entrusting to kind of represent the interests of, of children and families in school in those roles. And so for me, I think a lot of it does start uh, at the top as they say, in leadership roles and making sure that there are diverse perspectives and interests and backgrounds that are represented in leadership that would then change how we think about the distribution of resources, the accountability systems and policies that we use to shape practice. And in terms of what that looks like within the school building, I would yield to those who are in teacher education and who are specialists in in instruction to do that. But for me, the big push around equity is to secure those resources and to have control over the accountability system that's going to govern how people act and behave in school. And I'll add to that to go back to your question about, like, what are the practices? So I think this is another another thing where 
equity, I think Dr. Horsman said this earlier, it can look different in different places, right? But there's evidence that we look for to see that it's occurring. But when we start talking about practices, I think this is, I agree with what Dr. Horsman said. Yeah, you, it starts from the top. You need the top to create the conditions. You need the environment. And you also need the bottom and people that are organically engaged in it. You also need from outside, you need the community to be engaged. You also need this inside, this shift in people's perspective, right? So it's all of those things that are engaging. And often the question comes about like, where do you start the work? And so I use this little three ring, little concentric circles. So the one in the beginning is like the things you can directly control. The next one are the things that you can influence. And then the third ring out is the things you can't influence, but you can't control. So like, where do you start? you start with the things you can control. So if you are a school board member, you may start in a different place than a school district leader, than a, than a school leader, than a teacher, right? And so like the questions that school districts have to start to ask, like what's in my control? What policy levers are in my control? What hiring decisions are in my control? What pedagogical or curricular decisions are in my control that I can influence to shift people's practices, to shift people's behaviors, to shift the way people start to think about the work that they're engaged in on a daily basis? So where you start to me is based on that question, but your position within the organization also informs that. But to go back to your question about like, what are the practices? The practices I think are, are decisions that are collectively agreed upon. And they also like Dr. Horsper said, have the community input, but practices around instruction. That's a practice that needs to go through an equity lens. Uh, conversations when you're in team collaboration, that is a practice. Analysis of data, formative, summative, item analysis, those are practices that you can start looking at through an equity lens. The way that you engage in, in discipline, that is a practice that you, the way that you engage with families and communities, those are practices. Those are all practical practices that you need to examine. It's important for districts to examine the ways in which they carry those out and then the results of those. Do they further inequity or do they advance equity? But those are like the practices in the buckets plus more that you need to examine but I don't have a checklist of like you do those 20 across all those buckets and then you'll get this outcome. I, I, I don't think I don't think it works that way. I think it is getting people to examine the practice that they're engaged in, but they do it through a racial equity lens. And then you got the other parts about where you are in the district and where you start and all that stuff. All right. Now, that was. That was definitely awesome. And I think that last part about that equity lens of recognizing that we already have practices in place, but how we actually understand or see them or how it impacts the opportunities for our students and families is key. Like real quick, like a practice. So here's a practice. People, districts often, they say, oh, we need to have a racial equity policy. You do. But before you even create a new policy, examine your old policy. And so like every policy, every decision, every practice, you could take a racial equity lens. How do you do that? Very practically. You take a racial equity lens to current practices by asking a series of questions. Here are four questions you can ask. Number one, does this decision, this policy, this curriculum, does it support racial inequity on any level? And if so, how? That's one question. The next one is, is this a colorblind policy, curriculum, instructional practice that has racial impact? And if so, how? The third question is, who benefits from this decision? Are traditionally underserved groups historically underserved groups um, impacted in negative ways. And then number four, does this decision, this curriculum, this policy or this practice, does it maintain the current system of power and the status quo 
or does it transform our current system towards racial equity? And so those are four questions you can ask of every practice, of every curricular or every policy that a district has to start identifying where they are so they can work towards getting to this place of racial um, equity and equality. I agree with you. Racial pol- like an equity policy is the key is important, but can we actually look at our practices right now and see how we can transform them before we get to that? And just even training on it as well has been something that what is it? And then also looking at the disparity graphs, some districts are just moving into that direction. So how do we get to that last bit really at that equity lens and making sure that everyone's seeing it if we don't even understand what disparities that we are actually seeing in our district? So I just enjoyed this listening to you guys talk about this because I think it's extremely important that we understand where it came from and recognizing that equity is really thinking about how do we deal with the fact that our system wasn't made for all students and then how do we get to a space and place where we can make sure that children and families and students are having a say and are being included and they're being seen in their districts and communities and in their practices and how do we get to equality really Um, that is the ultimate goal knowing that we had not started that from that point of view to the begin with. And so I just want to say thank you to Dr. Horsford and Dr. Green for just engaging in this discussion. And thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Listeners, that's our episode for this week. I encourage you to go to keyedradio.org for more information and resources supporting today's discussion. This is Annette Stevenson saying thank you for listening to Keystone Education Radio. The views and opinions expressed on the Keystone Education Radio podcast are solely the views and opinions of our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you.